the podcast for the bookish, the queer, and the grossly ostentatious. I'm Julie Jester, the chaotic bisexual horse known on TikTok as plant-based bird girl and creature of the night who is struggling to be awake right now. And I'm Ellie Rudy. I'm a journalist covering the LGBTQ plus community, and I enjoy reading because it's like binge watching TV, except it makes you smarter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Um, all right. Well, this episode is for people who believe in magic, gay pirates, and trans Australian actresses with vitiligo. Woo! Let's okay, get started. So- yeah, this week we are talking about the Dawn Hounds by I'm going to I'm going to botch how you say the name. Do you want to give it a try? By Sasha Stronach. 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 Maybe. Prob- yeah, you nailed it. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll find out when Sasha emails us directly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, It'll still be, um, but even if you haven't read the book, we'll just be talking about queer stuff, queer thoughts, queer and whatnot. So it'll still be an interesting time for you. Or if you are interested in reading the book, read the book and then come back and listen to this. Um, yeah, it's our it's our little book club. And also, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. Throughout Liz, my sound has done something, has had some ups and downs. And Ellie has been a champion as our editor, uh, being the person. I now live in a house that I can't control when the heater comes on. Um, it's one of those like furnace things. So if you hear a weird noise, um, it's out of our control. But hey, you're in my house now. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to our weird noises. Anyway, into the book. All right. Well, um, Ellie, how did you like the book? Start off with an easy answer or not easy answer, Um, but easy question. I liked it. Wait, should we give like a little rundown of what the book was about first? That's hot, too. (laughs) So the listeners maybe know a little bit. Um, I'm going to say what I thought the book was about. and Correct me if I'm wrong, because. It was, there was a lot happening, so... <laughs> also, Ellie texted me at one point and was like, I'm gonna need you to explain to me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be funny for Julie to listen to, because she might actually know what it's about, but this is my takeaway from it. I believe that the book was about this woman named Yat. Is it Yat? I thought in my head it was Yat. In my head I said Yat, but we can do either for the purposes of existing... <laughs> Whatever. So that is a cop in this like like this dystopian kind of world where everything is kind of alive. Like people live in mushroom houses and there are spores. And she's like a she works the night shift. She used to work the day shift. But then one of her superiors found out that she was like hooking up with women at, like, a lesbian bar situation, so they demoted her to night shift. And she gets shot in the head after she sees a dead body floating. (laughs) And then she comes back alive after falling through this, like, I pictured it as that part in Get Out where he's, like, falling through, like, the black abyss. Like, she falls through this weird hole and there's, like, a giant monkey thing Mm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. that decides to bring her back. And then I guess there's some type of, like, potential, like, 
war going on, like a like what's it called when there's like a disease war, like a war. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about, like like, like a bio bio warfare. Yeah, something like that. So there's some type of disease going on and she's got to not let that happen. But then also there's a pirate ship with all these gay pirates. Oh, and then when she comes back to life, she can see these like threads in people, like these light threads and like sense their energy. And so can other people on the gay pirate ship. And that's really all I got. Ellie's doing a great job. I'm going to fill in some gaps here from what Please she said. Do. That woman named <laughs> Yacht, who is a cop, uh, we should it, let it be known that she grew up on the streets. She was poor. Um, her dad died when she was young. And so she was kind of her own little sneaky, sneaky thief. And that's what kind of makes her a good cop is she knows how to think like thieves. And then also she... Um, she watches out for the kids of the town. There's a lot of crooked cops in this town, and there's a lot of stuff about, um, and just reflections of our own world. I mean, obviously, all dystopian novels have this. That dystopia is the future in, uh, I think, New Zealand, somewhere around that area. This is a Maori story by a Maori author, um, and I'm wondering how much actual Maori legends uh, play into this. Um yeah, I think quite a bit. Like, the, the town itself is not a real city that exists, but it's based off of the author had spent time in Indonesia and Malaysia, and obviously they're from New Zealand. So, like, they kind of incorporate themes from folklore from all three of those cultures. Which is super cool, super awesome, super, super duper. So we learn about different sides of this town. There's the center, which is where Yacht is from. That seems to be the most alive with fungus and plants and and all of that jazz. And then there's the richer, wealthier, more well-kept, and, and people get to use the body modifications there for their own for their own gain and it's like having a having a special body modification, which you can do with all of this new world stuff as its own its own special thing. But anyway, when Yacht gets shot because she sees a dead body, it is these uh, two men who we later learn represent these brothers from myth who are passed down forever. They just keep regenerating. But this is a world in which certain people can die and come back to life. Um, and it depends on if a god saves you. So Yacht gets saved by the monkey god. But when you die and come back to life, you get the god gives you powers, basically. Um, and you can continue to die and come back to life, but you regenerate in that same spot every time. There's so much lore. There's so Mm -hmm. much lore happening. Um, and it is really cool when she comes back to life, she's like, I'm feeling better than I ever have, not really knowing what's going on. And then also starts to see weaves of light in people and she can kind of sense their emotions. It's got like kind of touches of an empath kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then also... She can just sense when people are around and when people are approaching. And you can kind of like harness other people and other like living beings energy. Yes. And like feed off of that, which can be kind of crazy sometimes because sometimes that ends up with the person that she's like taking the energy from dying We'll get to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you, they call them weavers. Weavers who take the threads of people and can either take them into themselves, can give them to other things, can bring, can put life into things, can take life from things. 
So you basically get to play God lightly. Uh-huh. But at the same time, when you gain these powers, you really don't know what you're doing with them, which is how yeah. Yacht finds herself accidentally killing a parrot and accidentally, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so we could get into the lore of this. I just, but I mean, also, I just want to say if, if a, a magical pirate ship full of misfit queers sounds like a good time to you, highly recommend reading this mm. book, mm-hmm. um, reading it and coming back. Um, so... I was really interested because at first because this is, you know, a futuristic book and I was thinking about how I feel like in the future queerness is like the least of our problems, you know? And I was yeah. I was kind of confused about why they would hate a cop so much for being gay. And there are part like other sides of this town that are okay with gayness, but the the center that yacht comes from is very anti-gay. And then it just made me think about when you rebuild a world, just like how when we built a world, you need, they turn to religion. You need religion to keep people in control. You need a good and a bad and an other. And that's how you like make a society for better or for worse. Um, so that I thought it was actually really interesting and truthful to have queerness sort of be outlawed and sort of be othered because that's something that you can use to, um, I don't know, control people. I wanted to hear your thoughts, Ellie, on the uh, play of of queerness and futuristic worlds and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, it's like I kind of thought it was ironic that queerness, you know, in the mainstream culture of this um, this universe was looked down upon because the whole like living in a world where everything is alive and People live in mushrooms and there's body modifications where you can have like moving tattoos or three hands or whatever. Like that is all very queer. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like and just like especially like in queer theory, it's like basic like what queer means in like the academic sense is basically just like here not comes the that, norm here comes that LGBT i know i know, minor. I there know. she comes so, oh no i she's see here. it bring her out so it basically means not the norm so anything and like mushrooms in and of themselves especially in queer academia are seen as like very queer things because they're not plants and they're not animals they're like this in-between thing that exists in this space that it's kind of hard to identify, especially like for scientists. Um, and they can communicate with each other in these like underground systems. So it's it's I thought it was ironic that this whole universe exists in a very queer way. You know, yeah. like there's body modification, which is inherently queer, not in the sense of, you know, it's gay queer. I mean, it, it is, but it's queer in that it's it's not the norm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's taking something that exists in it in its, you know, inherent form and then changing it, which just is, you know, it's like queering it too mm-hmm. queer something. So I just I also thought it was interesting that like this is such a queer universe that exists, yet being gay is not right. Cool. <laughs> it's not the thing. But yeah, they yeah. were so so this is post-apocalyptic. This is after the world ended supposedly and this is a new society that came about um and 
yeah, you can just see because there's 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 a lot of politicians running through and people trying to get elected, and there's right. this whole crazy bird religion that is happening. Right. Forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the bird the birds who are always watching. Uh, also, just known as Julie's TikTok, a weird bird religion. <laughs> Hello, welcome to my weird bird religion. <laughs> but yeah, um, and so it is interesting that they outlawed queerness. Now, when we talk about body modifications, there's clearly magic. There's clearly stuff that is beyond our current world, at least as far as I know. Um, Body modifications include there was a guy who could like grow back his fingers and that was something that he got. He got some flesh growing finger things. And so one of his bar tricks would be that he'd cut off his finger and then have a new one by the time he (laughs) dropped it in the beer or whatever it was that he did with his finger. There was also the most like terrifying one that I can remember was a guy who had honeycombs for eyes. Ooh, hated that. Hate. Absolutely not. There's those kind of body modifications where it's like, whoa, that's different. But then also there are gender queer characters and in a world where body modifications are like, because they're not easily accessible. They're not like anyone can just go get one and they are. I mean, the wealthy can get whatever they want. There was a woman who was making a who was wearing a skirt made out of skin, and that was her body modification. And I was like, "That's horrifying." But she was a rich woman, yeah. and so she could mm-hmm. do whatever she pleased. But then comes into the idea of the, a lower class person with body modifications was was like looked down upon, and it's another one of those classic things where when you're rich and do it, it's cool, but when you're when you're not rich and doing it, it's bad. Um, and there was a really interesting scene where they were talking about how people who specifically had gender queer body modifications, um, mm-hmm. people who were trans people, et cetera, et cetera, would often uh, be disappeared uh, by this police state um, because they feared they feared the other and also uh, that that uh, anti-religion. Because that was that was the main thing was was going against the will of giving birth, life and death. They wanted everyone mm-hmm. to be to be birthing. And that is also yeah, like a part of the the circ- the cycle or whatever. Yeah. A woman, a woman need man, make baby, continue the cycle. And that is honestly mm-hmm. how you can see the roots of all of this anti-queerness starting. But at the same time, like in the world that we live in, where queerness is still terrible in a lot of places. We don't need to be making more babies. We done been had so many babies. <laughs> yeah. And it's like There's a lot of us. <laughs> all of these all of these laws were put into place so that we could build up a world, so that we could have a ton of children, so that humans could become like the main people of the earth. But like there's 8 billion people now. We do not need man to go with woman. And I'm just saying need in terms of building a society. If your goal is to if your goal is to control people, I personally am not a fan of it. Um, But yeah, queerness, queerness is not something that is going to, so to say, end the world and the cycle of life and death. Um, Yeah. But anyway. I was going to. Go for it. Wait, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go. No, you go ahead. Go oh, ahead. well, I was just going to talk about in terms of like in the terms of the body modifications things. Um, it also just kind of reminded me of how rich people like get lip filler and, uh, you know, like fake breasts and all of that. But if you're a female enhancing your female qualities, it's fine. But then if you are not born in a female body, it is a reason for the police to literally like kill you or hide you. Yeah. Um, and it's when it's an expression of, of queerness that it is considered a terrible and awful thing. 
Um, yeah, and so then the character was talking about when she realizes that she didn't see a lot of genderqueer people in her town, not because they didn't exist, but because the police made it their goal to, like, keep them hidden. Um, and I think that's how you, I think that's how we grow up, at least if you didn't grow up in a very forward-thinking town, neighborhood, community, being, like, trans people are a very uncommon thing. When meanwhile, in, like, ancient anthropological societies, transness, queer, gender queerness is estimated to have existed at, like, 25% of people were naturally genderqueer or trans. When meanwhile, in our world, I have, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm at a very central point of queerness. I'm online as a bisexual person and in my own real life I only know like a couple of trans and non-binary people like a handful and that that just goes to show you how how much they get erased from our world right right yeah yeah and okay this is like another okay I kind of want to go back to the first question though but like did you like the book (laughs) did I like the book I I did like the book eventually. I had trouble with it in the beginning because the world building takes so long. I mean, it doesn't it's not that it takes so long. It's just like this author is ready to take you into a place that you are so confused about. And at this Yeah. I feel like it would be really good as a movie. Like Yeah. Oh, if you could I thought the same thing. Right? Like I or like a um like a long form TV like HBO situation. Yeah. Like because it it's great writing and like the descriptions of what this place looks like is incredible. Um but I agree. Um see I kind of felt the opposite though. I actually like right off the bat was like, "Oh, I am here for this." But then I didn't get so much lost with like the world building. It's just like there are a, there are a lot of characters. Um so it was kind of hard for me and <laughs> I don't fully know what the book is about like i don't i don't (laughs) i don't know like the whole like war i didn't i kind of read about it afterwards and i was like oh i get it more but like the whole bio warfare thing as it was happening i was a little bit confused about but again i think it would do so well with like a visual aid to just like see what's happening because there is so much going on. <laughs> so it, it, what I think, it, I mean, it's about, it's got, it. there is so much going on and it's about a lot of things, but I think it's like in building a, in building a world, um, what, which people are trying to control who and that kind of thing um, is like, if you want to take a bigger picture, look at it. I mean, I don't know. I felt like they were trying to save this town's life. The people, the queer pirate ship was like trying to save the heart and soul of this city. When meanwhile, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people of biological warfare and a bunch of crooked cops and a bunch of crooked, um, crooked politicians were trying to use it for their own good. And mostly what this world was is it built this crazy fantastical world with magic to take you kind of into a new brain, but then you made it made you look at issues that are happening right here today in our society, but using completely different words and stuff to to for a lens to look at them with. Um, Mm -hmm. and it kind of, and it takes things to extremes, like in a world where everyone can have body modifications, you really learn a lot about what it is that people value and you get kind of a culture shock too. 
Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like for me, like all the kind of magical stuff going on, you know, like that was all a bonus. But for me, at the end of the day, like the whole book was really about just like chosen family. Yeah. Um, especially on the pirate ship called the Kopec. Um, Cause Julie, like Julie was saying, like, you know, it is a whole bunch of misfits. Um, but they all, they kind of have this like family structure within this group, you know, this ragtag mm-hmm. group of, of pirates. And, you know, obviously like a lot of queer people, non-binary people, trans mm-hmm. people, you know, are thriving on this ship, which is itself like a living thing. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't have been, you know, accepted in this other, you know, part of society. Yeah. I love the concept of everything is alive. That that yeah. was really cool to just sit here and think about. Um I think I think I would have loved the book so much more if the author had taken like just a couple more moments on each world building thing to sort of explain it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I would have liked explanations of how things worked a little bit. Yes. And I get that as an author, you don't want to like over explain things or make Mm -hmm. your audience feel dumb. But at the same time, there's this like sassy little remark at the beginning of the book um, before the book yeah, even starts. Yeah. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where where the the author very cheekily explains that there's a lot of New Zealand slang in it, and like you, it's not a misprint. You better just get used to it. Yeah. And I'm like, if you want your book to exist outside of New Zealand, if you want it to do well globally, you need to. You, I mean, it's not like you need to dumb it down for white audiences, but any audience, any audience that's not that's not from New Zealand and doesn't understand this lingo needs better context clues at what it is that you're saying and what it is that is going on. Even like the main weapons, I looked it up and it was it, they were named after the scientific name for jellyfish, like Snydecote. Mm, mm. But it, yeah. like there was so much there was so much Googling that I had to do throughout this book. Instead of like when I normally read something, if there's something that I don't quite get, usually through context clues. Yeah, usually through context clues, you can get a really good idea in your head. But there were so many things that I felt kind of alienated about here. Um, But at the same time, it is a Maori culture. It is a New Zealand culture. Maybe that is just my own like, I can't decide if it's if it's alienating writing or if it's just that I am an alien. For well, you are an alien, but for me, it wasn't this. It wasn't the slang that was hard for me. Like, I I no, like looked it, up some of this. It was just. It was more like I would say it was like the science part yeah, of it. it I was, was like, science. what is going on? And this book is actually a part of a series, so like, but maybe this- as you go through the series, like you kind of start figuring it out more. I just was confused i also like went into it thinking it was a it was a murder mystery (laughs) (laughs) because because like the back of the book is like yacht gets murdered and then she's trying to figure out who murdered her like i thought that that was going to be the main plot line but that was so not the main plot like i would say honestly her murder was just the thing that like you know 
ignited her having these powers, but like the actual murder itself, because we already knew, like you knew who did it pretty soon into the book. Yeah. And it like, so that it was just a very different book than I anticipated it being. I still enjoyed it. And I, I recommend it, but I recommend it. Like I am not, I'm a smart person, but I'm not a smart reader. Like I don't, I don't read to get smarter. I read purely for entertainment. And I felt like this book wanted me to know more than I do. Yeah, I I think I completely agree. It wasn't even the slang that was alienating. It was the science that was. um, But anyway, as we were saying, I just lost my train of thought. You sound like Kermit. <laughs> I'm Kermit the Frog. You do such a good Kermit. <laughs> we should take advantage of that more. Hmm. <laughs> um, you and I should be Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy for Halloween. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've been wanting to be Miss Piggy for Halloween for so long, and now I have my Kermit. Um, now you have your Kermit. I'm right here. Hello. So Because you're long and green. <laughs> I am long and green. I'm made of plants and height. I, but like, again, we have, we have mixed feelings about, about all of this. The point of this isn't to just be like, we don't know if we liked it. We were just, we're going to share with you some more thoughts and ideas, um, and things from the book. And here I'm going to read you one of my favorite passages and something that I think is at the core of this book. Ooh, should I use voices? I don't know. Sure. Um, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Should I try to do an Australian accent? Yes. Well, New Zealand, but yeah. Uh, New Zealand. Oh, it's going to be so bad. Never mind. Um. (laughs) No, you can try. Yesterday I was in my improv class and like we were doing an exercise. We're like one person would have to sit down and like kind of come up with this character based on like a prompt. And then another person had to come up and sit next to you and basically try to mimic, like do their own do that exact same character and mm. my character I chose to be Australian <laughs> and the guy who came up next to me was like uh howdy y'all I'm Australian <laughs> he's like I, Australian Pizza. accents apparently are hard for some of us Australian pretty good Aus- Aus- Aussie accents are hard for, for sometimes I well I lived in Australia for two two years um so I do have a, I, so I do have a, a terrible grasp on uh, an, on an Aussie accent, but um, I've never tried to read a dialogue in in an Aussie accent. Um, uh, all right, so this is the <laughs> the lady. <laughs> this is the woman. The <laughs> the lady who captains the ship. She's the most badass pirate of all time named oh, Sibby. Sibby. Yeah. Yes. So we're starting yeah, with her voice here. Just because you can die doesn't mean you should. You know what a hero is, Yacht? Her mind flashed back to Wajet standing along the docks with her. What if the Tani was nice? He'd been getting at something. A hero, she said, is somebody who does what's right, no matter the cost. Try again said Sibby, whose sweet old lady smile was infuriating. Okay, said Yacht. A hero is somebody who fights against the darkness. Oh, said Sibby, fights against the darkness. I like that. Shadows are well known for their vulnerability to punching. Very poetic. Closer, but no. Well then, Yacht, 
said Yacht. Why don't you tell me? More damned riddles. Why couldn't people ever just say what they meant? Sivy grinned. A hero, she said, is a young man, and it is usually a man, though not always, who wishes to die loudly. They want everybody to look and say, what a hero, and to be remembered. They read too many stories and get this idea in their head that death is noble and beautiful and glorious. A hero is impatient to die, and in their impatience, they have a habit of taking ordinary folks down with them. After all, death is glorious, and that means killing is too. Whether they succeed or fail, a hero is defined by death, and that's why I don't let heroes on my ship. I'd rather teach my people how to live. Yeah, that honestly does sum it up pretty good. That's I mean, that is one of the the core the core thoughts through this story, um, because our own our own girly yacht, who is a is a cop, um, knows kind of lightly of crooked cops. But at the end of the day, thinks that cops are good people um, until she eventually finds out the some of the secret, terrible underbellies of this of this world and is like, oh, shit, is the law bad? Are cops bad? Is what we do to people bad? Um, Shocking. Yes, shocking. And I just got such a clear image of exactly what Sivy was talking about when she gave this description of a hero. There's so many men that I've been around who are like, war! And like, (laughs) man, I want to be a superhero. There's this one guy that I dated for a while who was like this, and he was the worst. Um... But yeah, like the, 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 just this very masculine need to like mm-hmm. die and for everyone to point at that death and be like, "Good job!" <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And I Word. think, and I and I think something that comes in the in the the revolutionary the 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 fight back. What's the word that I'm looking for? The um, rebellion of queerness is not wanting to die, but wanting to live. Um, because queerness does get killed. So when you are someone who is expressing your queerness and somebody who's actively seeking out your queerness, you are choosing to live and like have a good life. And, um, and that is a heroic thing to do to exist queerly and openly, because that is the thing that's getting killed. Not men who are like choosing to go to war, who are taking on that mantle. That's like you chose to put on that uniform and die as a queer Mm -hmm. person waking up and being queer is like getting ready to die in this in yeah. this society and also in our own in many places some places right. better than worse same in the book yeah, um, yeah, yeah yes um okay i kind of want to cast this movie let's cast this movie i but also i i don't know if you did this i looked up a lot of australian and maori actors because i was like I did too. this should be yeah this should be i did too and I cast some, but I also kind of cast it like a Hamilton situation. Ooh. So kind of uh, like all, all people of color, but some because I know that the author also had influences from Indonesian and Malaysian cultures as well. So Ooh, I kind of yeah, have yeah. like a, a smorgasbord of almost and i don't i don't have everyone cat because like there are a lot of characters there so are. i just cast the ones that really stuck out to me and then there are a couple that i just like didn't know what to cast them as for sure um okay who do you have for yacht for yacht, yacht i have a uh australian actress named keisha castle hughes um okay. uh, 
you can I mean listeners you can look her up I I feel like she is uh she she's got this cool warrior look to her especially oh, in some yeah in something that she did um but yeah she seems cool who do you have Ellie I I have um I have two potential mm. I have Kiki Palmer Kiki Palmer yes or ma'am Stephanie Sue, who, or it made Sue, I don't know, I think it's Sue, who was just in everything, everywhere, all at once, was the, was the leading role in that. Oh, oh, fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Who, she, she played like the, um, Tobo Topaki. Yeah. She played the bad one. (laughs) The bad one. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay. What about Sibby? Um, for Sibby, I had, if we are going with, uh, Maori casting, which I feel like we really should for this role, because she is, like, the woman of the world, the woman of the earth, the woman of, like, she is the mighty and powerful. I had a, uh, a New Zealand actress named Rena Owen. If you look her up, I think you'll be like, oh, shit. Um, and then if we are going for the white casting of this that I think people wouldn't be mad about, Meryl Streep. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. Okay, Rena Owen. I'm trying to see what she's... Oh, she's been in, like, a ton of kind of random stuff, but yes, she's very, very pretty. She, I just feel like she has the look, the, like, the world... Looks powerful. Yeah, powerful, world-weary, but, like, earth is flowing from her. Yes, yes, okay. I see that. I was thinking, well, if... Like, well, what I, who I casted her as was um, Michelle Yeoh, for also from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, <laughs> Love it. One one of my favorite movies. But also... Uh, oh, I like I was, her too. She looks great. Yeah, or... I don't, like, I wouldn't cast her as this, but briefly... And, like, when I read a book, I actually don't really picture how a character looks, which is kind of weird. Like, I just kind of picture their essence, but I don't, like, have, like, a face to it. But for a second, I was kind of getting, like, Tilda Swinton vibes. Um, But she's also, like... Tilda Swinton's just, like, a very, like, strange-looking person. And <laughs> I feel... I mean, like, no shade. I think she's beautiful, but she's, yeah. like, very, like, unique-looking, and I... Totally. I feel like this would have to be like a unique looking person, which is why I think that Rena Owen is probably the way to go. Because she's she's really, really pretty, but she also looks like very strong and mm. powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that casting. Um, okay, what do you next oh, I, who do you I- have- yeah. A, j- a jot, a jot, a jot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- th- Sibby's love. Sibby and a jot were my favorite couple. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Were, they're, they're wives. They were just such a cute part. Um, I didn't like. I mean, the obviously I wouldn't have known this because the book doesn't really reveal it to you later. But a jot is trans. Um, and so originally, Wait, what? You didn't get that part. No, but it's also very possible that I got her mixed up with another character. So, so there is this big scene where Ajat and Sibby travel to Sibby's old kingdom. And I'm only explaining this right now because this is one of my favorite parts. I'm not like, remember this part, Ellie? Um, <laughs> but like, this is a part that I did want to talk about on here. And so Sibby, they're going to Sibby's old kingdom and um, Sibby is 
seeing this guy who now takes his like ruling over it. I don't know if it's like political or monarchy yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I do but yeah, I do remember that part. He's ruling over it and he is like, You Sibby are no longer welcome on this island, even though she's the one that keeps it alive. Um, right, right, right. He's like, Sibby, you're no longer welcome, and neither are any of your associates. And then they kind of fight it out a little bit, and then he's like, uh, I don't care what your friend chooses to believe he is. Take your freak husband away from here, um, referring to oh, Ajat. And so that's I sort do of, remember that. I do remember that. And yes, so then, this is coming back to me. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. Before she leaves, Sibby takes Ajat, her wife, her trans wife, like kisses her firmly on the mouth in like a huge display of passion in front of this ruler looks at him and then spits on the ground of the kingdom and then leaves and i was like that's hot make out and spit on it as a queer person I love that. Yeah, okay, it's coming back to me. I was reading this part when I was, like, on a plane back from London and was not, like, I was very jet-lagged, not fully there. But, yes, I do recall this. Um, yes, iconic. And I don't have anyone cast for her. I well, actually was very stumped. Originally, I just thought she was a cool-looking woman with vitiligo, so I cast her as Winnie Harlow, and then I found out that she was trans. And so then I googled trans Australian actress with vitiligo, which is why this episode is for the trans Australian actresses with vitiligo. Because Mm -hmm. if you exist, Google doesn't think you exist, but if you exist, I want to meet you. I think you probably just got it going on. Yeah. Anyway. So we just have that. We just have a trans Australian accent. Yeah. Uh, actress actress like, just, okay. Yeah, because no, Winnie Wait. can't take up the mantle of being a just the a representing a, a person with vitiligo and being a great actor. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 very fair. Um okay. For my next one, I have um Sen. For Sen, I had a guy named Eric Banna. He is another, I think, Maori actor. Eric Banna. E-R-I-C. Wait, Eric B-A-N-A? Yeah. He he plays, he's like pretty, oh, I didn't, I thought he was white. He is in uh, Looks Dirty like he, John. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen it, it's really good. It's like a really good actually, TV show. I haven't, but I uh, will look uh, um, into it. I didn't realize he was Australian. Um, huh. That I had young Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very time traveling. We're time traveling, and we're in very different vibe. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, um, okay, who did okay. you have for Wajet? Wajet. Uh, who is a? Sk- I had. I had Taika Watiti. I have Taika Watiti too. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I feel like that just makes sense. Um, this cop, this guy, he's like known as the like the kind of the most crooked cop in all the city. But as you get to know him, you're like, wait a minute, he's crooked for good. Like he's he's helping. Yeah, and he's kind of funny. Like and he's, I'd say yeah. he's kind of the comic relief. So I feel like that just. But then you find out that he's gay and then he just is constantly saying shit about his husband and it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay, for Mr. Zhao, the guy, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I, yeah, who do you have? I have Daniel Henney. 
H-E-N-N-E-Y. Um, he is a, I believe, Taiwanese actor. Wait, let me see. Um. Oh, I recognize him. Or maybe I don't know he's, what he's just been Chinese. In, I reckon. I recognize him. I don't know what he's been in, but I do recognize him. Yeah. I cast Daniel Day Kim. Ooh, wait. I think he's on like the OC or something, but I know him from Lost. Lost. I like that. The reason I specifically went with Daniel Henney is because he's 6'2", and of the brothers that are doing that, there's, like, one tall one and one stout one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah But yeah. I like that, too. I like that, too. I, or maybe it wasn't the OC, but it was, like, some type of cop. I, is the OC a cop show? I know it's some type of cop show. I've, I don't really watch cop shows, but, yeah, I know him from Lost, and it just, it, it made sense to me. And that's, that for me, oh, wait, okay, who do you have for his brother? I don't have anyone for him. I have Jackie Chan. <laughs> Uh, okay. Because I Work. I feel like he could play d- terrifying. <laughs> that is supposed yeah. to be the brother. I feel like it would be a really interesting character for him. Yeah, and he could do like cool stunts. He could, and stuff. Yeah, he could do the bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then the last character that I have, you probably have more than I do, but I just couldn't keep track of all the characters. The last character that I have is Kiata. Mm-hmm. Um and I cast Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. She was actually also in Lost. Um, oh. But I think she was in like the first Avatar. Um, I, I think she has the right energy. I but like the the character Kiata is supposed to be pale skinned and red haired so i really flew with that oh i did not oh i did not. <laughs> i got that she had red hair i didn't get that she had pale skin um, but that so i found an actor named liv hewson who is uh australian and uh uses they them pronouns and if you well, just how do you spell it? uh liv l-i-v hewson h-e-w-s-o-n um oh yeah 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 the vibes are on point for me um, yep. for this but yeah so and then something we haven't even talked about in this entire thing even though this episode is almost over um, Kiata and Yacht are the central love, sti- love story of this oh my god Sparky Sparky oh my god <laughs> um, he is Sparky just came up here to sit on my lap but he sat on all of my wires and then got tangled in them and then almost dropped my computer off of the desk which is cute classic Sparky um, the central love story of this is 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 a woman loving woman love story and you you wonder if Yacht is ever going to find uh, her love from her younger years Kiata again and um, did you Ellie did you think we were going to see Kiata again i kind of didn't yeah i thought she was was kind of gone forever what um um yeah i was shocked but it was a couple of pages i don't know it was like a couple of chapters before that reveal happened that i was like oh my god that's kiata did you have that feeling yeah no i did (laughs) not get again i'm not a very perceptive reader (laughs) i never see the twist coming i'm always pretty confused which makes me a pretty good audience but yeah no i I had no idea wow that's um that's great well do we have any final thoughts on the dawn hounds i say read it 
maybe it would be better to listen to it. Mm. Like maybe that would help a little bit. Like maybe it's better in an audio book format. Sure. But I rec, I do, I do recommend it. Um, it is not an easy read. It is not a light kind of. No, and can't- unless you are someone who is very, very, very adept at scientific words and mm-hmm. like knows about that. Yes. Somewhat. Somewhat. Be pre- or else you're just going to need to do some Googling. Yeah, and, be okay and, with that. and Googling is a fine thing. Um, I I mean, at the end of the day, I thought this was a really great book. I've I've read a lot of worse books, and this, I think, I, <laughs> it covered a lot of really good, um, really good themes. I mean, it covered a lot of interesting themes. It got through a lot of the... Um, the ups and downs of being a queer person, especially existing in like a police state, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much to think about and there's so many beautiful and magical moments, which at the end of the day is what I think is the book's main kind of home is its main seller is, is beautiful, magical queer characters existing. I agree. Yeah. Um, I just tilted my camera down specifically so that Ellie would see Sparky sitting in my lap so that she... Oh my god. Hey, Sparky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did that because Ellie is going to need to be around Sparky more soon, and I don't want her to be afraid. So I'm just showing her that he's a calm baby. Time will tell on that one. <laughs> and there is there is a cat in the book that I was really afraid was going to die. And I was... Oh, right. There is a cat in the book. I, I was reading the part where the cat might die while Sparky was curled up on my chest while I was reading it. And I was like near tears. Even It's just... <laughs> it's just yeah. I was like, that fuzzy baby, that's my fuzzy baby. Well, spoiler alert, the cat doesn't die. The so cat doesn't, don't let that stop you yeah, from not reading don't it. Don't let it... Yeah. Ugh. All right, you want to do your little sign-off, girly? All right. Um, this has been Liz Podcast. I'm Julie Jester. I've read a book, and so can you. And uh, just remember, <laughs> magic is a state of mind. And I'm Ellie Rudy, and I- I- I'm here to listen to Julie talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been Liz Liz. Second Liz Liz literature. Bye-bye.